the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kalabian, and today we're sitting down with Angelo, the co-founder and chief marketing officer of AdBank, which is an ad platform built on Ethereum. So thanks so much for being here, Angelo. Thanks for having me, Mark. <clears throat> So to get started, I'd love to just hear a little bit about, you know, where you're, where you're from, what your history has been in this space. I know you mentioned earlier off camera, you started really in the ad space. You have a lot of experience there. Um, so if you could get started with that, that would be great. Yeah. So my history in marketing is about the last 10 years and I've built two different agencies during that time, um, more smaller boutique uh, the first one was more uh, on the B2B side, and then the second one dipped a lot more into the B2C area and probably, I'd say, mostly focused on that um, and work, started to work with some larger brands. Uh, like, for example, we helped create content for the launch of Tesla's Model X in huh. Canada, um, just some stuff for their Instagram and, and some photography type stuff. Um you know, so got to work with some pretty cool brands uh, in our second agency called Multivitamin Media, which I founded, co-founded with uh, another ad bank co-founder, Kelsey Cole. And but before that, actually, I um, was in the music business, which is kind of interesting. I went to school originally for, for audio engineering and was uh, quickly kind of drawn to how to market artists because I found it, you know, challenging to uh, get, you know, funding to do that. So when social media started to pop off in a big way, it was something I immediately took notice of and saw it as a vehicle to promote things uh, in a really cost-effective way, but in a more exciting way than I'd seen before. So that was something that I was an earlier adopter, uh, an early adopter of <clears throat> and started to get other businesses and brands and, um, you know, influential people to take seriously. And so, you know, one thing after another, I, I started to realize I was getting more deep into the marketing side. And at first it started to cross over. I was more in the business side of music. And then at a certain point got like super frustrated. Uh, you know, I kind of have this famous story. I won't say who the artist is, but <laughs> a major artist that everybody knows essentially screwed me over for about $10,000. <laughs> and uh, at the time I was like, super broke. I didn't even have a place to live. I was like staying in this really shitty hostel. Um, you know, I, I sold everything to move to Toronto from BC. And, and for those of you who don't know, that's like five days of driving essentially, uh, I guess three, three and a half if you don't stop. Um, but that was like a major, major life change for me because I had really identified with being in the music industry and being a musician and an artist for a long time. Um, but really, that was kind of where everything started to take off. And I realized that a lot of the clever strategies that I came up with for artists were pretty, I guess, like not, not to toot my own horn, but like revolutionary by the standards of normal business, because people in business tend to not be that creative. Um, <laughs> but that's our business in the music business. So, 
Anyways, um, you know, fast forward, I got really into blockchain and helped uh, uh, actually launch the social media for the Extreme Tech Challenge, which was a uh, event and competition, a tech competition started by Richard Branson and Bill Tai. And uh, Bill Tai turned my business partner, Kelsey, onto crypto. And that was four years ago now. Um, and so since then, uh, you know, actually, I was quite afraid to take the the leap because at the time exchanges were pretty sketchy and uh i hadn't met a single person in canada that had ever even heard of bitcoin so i was like not really sure how to actually purchase it in a way that made me feel comfortable so i kept a close eye on it for a while and then finally got in um and had some great success with it and once i really understood blockchain that was when everything changed for me and i realized i had to get into that industry because uh, I realized it could change the world, not just from a position of finance, but the use of blockchain in so many different industries was very clear to me um, at that point. And I just knew that there was no other way I could go. And so I guess that's a great segue into the advertising space. So clearly it spoke to you in the advertising space. What were the major problems that you had noticed with the space? And I read through your white paper, you have some really interesting stuff about ad fraud that I think a lot of people don't realize happens. I mean, if you've ever been to a, a website with pop-up ads, that's essentially ad fraud. No one wants to click those, but someone's paying for them. So maybe if you could talk a little bit about that. For sure. Yeah. And, and you know, um, before I, I get into it a little bit, let me ask you one thing. Would you, if you were an, a criminal, would you rather smuggle cocaine over the border or would you rather sit from the comfort of your own home uh, faking clicks from a computer? <laughs> yeah, that's you know? a pretty good uh, money laundering scheme right there. It's pretty damn good. It's a good job. And it's so good, in fact, that it's become the second most profitable form of income for organized crime only beaten by drugs and wow. what i'm talking about specifically is advertising fraud and so ad fraud comes in many many different forms you know most people have heard of click farms uh, but there are different iterations and it is kind of a cat and mouse game and advertisers are going to lose almost 20 billion dollars this year uh, believe it or not and it keeps going up every year so you know this is a serious serious issue and one of the main reasons why we haven't been able to do anything about it is because the data that lies behind everybody's advertising campaigns can't be audited in a trusted way because it is behind these what are called walled gardens, right? Yeah. So the ad tech middlemen, they don't share that data. So nobody can really effectively police or even like in the open source community, if people are contributing to a certain project in the open source community and they see something wrong with it, they fix it, you know, they contribute to it, right? So it's not just about policing, but contributing. And unfortunately, uh, the antithesis of anything open source is what's happening in advertising technology. And so that's led to just a few major players that are sucking up most of the revenue. And when you think about the advertising ecosystem, it's in balance because of two main stakeholders, right? Two main players that are bringing value into that ecosystem. The first is the advertiser who's bringing the money. The second is the publisher that's bringing the people who are actually looking at the advertisements, right? So they are the ones, th that ecosystem cannot exist without those two, right? And just like banks have helped us uh, with money, and Bitcoin has decentralized that, 
this process can be disintermediated as well with blockchain. And there's many different benefits that exist to that beyond transparency, but really transparency is where it starts because there is absolutely none in the supply chain right now. And so when you think about it, uh, just like how Walmart is forcing all of their um, uh, produce suppliers to have all of their lettuce on the blockchain, I think by next year, um, that is a similar play to what's happening in advertising in the sense that supply chain has many hands that products and shipments pass through and a lot of things can get broken in that process just like if you've ever played a game of broken telephone you know you go three people down and <laughs> your message already starts to become totally uh unrecognizable from the original right so if you think about that in a supply chain context there is so much of a mess going on there just like when you hear oh, that fell off the truck or, uh, you know, things being stolen or, or things being sold on the black market that were stolen from trucks. This is, uh, that exists because of the weaknesses that are prevalent in supply chain. And digital advertising is absolutely no different. Uh, it's a total disaster. And so blockchain, you know, anywhere that there's a, a uh, industry or a problem that exists where transparency, trust or security are lacking, Blockchain is always going to be a good fit for that. And what we're seeing and what is very exciting in the industry is that advertising is seen as one of those uh, top three use cases for blockchain because of the size of the opportunity that exists. And so would you guys be inserting yourself as the alternative to the current middleman? Would you try and uh, work with the middleman to increase transparency? So is your main target to work with Facebook or to work against Google? How would you how would you ideally structure something or the best transparent system where both the advertisers and the customers are getting what they want? Great question. So it would be foolish for a new competitor to come into the scene and say, we're going to take down Facebook and Google. You know, it's just, it's not realistic, right? We're talking about multi-billion dollar, potentially one day trillion dollar behemoths that are beyond the 800 pound gorillas in the room. So in our eyes, uh, the real path to disruption will be in some way or another cooperating with existing ad technology. Now, the, the thing that we have to think about it, how we make that worthwhile for them is solving fraud and some of these other problems that exist that blockchain can fix. Um, you know, these just aren't profitable problems for them to solve. But if somebody else took that burden on and gave that benefit, you know, it's something that they'd be more likely to integrate into their existing platforms for something uh, a, a, that their customers could benefit. So they could have the existing ecosystem or, or infrastructure rather, you know, you go to Google AdWords or you go to Facebook ads. Um, but behind the scenes, there's more transparency with the transactional data so that that can be used in a more meaningful way to solve the bigger problems that nobody's really looking out for the advertisers and publishers for. And so there's, there's some other issues as well, like the amount of time that it takes a publisher to get paid uh, that blockchain's really good for because of the speed of payments. You know, if we think about how many layers, like if, if you have some really uh, a small unknown cryptocurrency, um, you may have to convert that to another cryptocurrency and then send that to a different uh, exchange or fiat gateway 
to turn yeah. it into your local currency. And when you think about it, there's all these steps that occur, right? That actually happens with fiat right now all over the world with most systems that are operating on a global scale. You know, if you're yeah. a publisher and you're in the in Great Britain, but you're using Google ads and I'm an advertiser in Canada paying Canadian dollars, <laughs> yeah. you want to get paid in pounds, right? Or in euros, right? So there's, there's a lot of things that are happening in there as well. A lot of layers, uh, that exists between converting that and blockchain is actually really good at speeding up that process so publishers get paid faster if not in some cases instantly depending on the context so you know that's kind of in a nutshell some of the things that the industry stands to gain and so when you're talking about publishers you know of course you have your big you know for your facebook's and whatnot but would you also be looking into helping smaller websites you know monetize content how, how would you approach uh the vast and varying ad ad space uh, as far as how you get your product into the market yeah for sure so you know our path to disruption we believe is starting with specific verticals because it's easier for us to let's say uh for example, one of our first networks, we have two networks right now, one that we acquired, uh, we used a, a portion of the ICO funds to acquire an ad network, um, and we created a, a cryptocurrency-focused network. So blockchain and crypto-focused companies can reach people who are interested in that sort of stuff, and it's a curated group of publishers that are high quality that are generating high volumes of traffic of people that are interested in those things so rather than going to google and saying you know anything under the sun you want whether you want to sell catnip or you want to sell uh uh silver water you know you can sell that and that tool can help connect you with the inventory that is most likely to generate audience for your your product, right? So we're doing it in a vertical specific way right now because that helps us play in our own sandbox, right? Yeah, so I mean, we, great place to start. They've been pretty antagonistic towards crypto in advertising generally anyway, so you've already got a built-in audience with demand, I'd assume. Exactly, and, and that's exactly what we saw. So we, we didn't originally, um, like we had thought about and considered very seriously doing a crypto ad network, but we've really expedited that plan when Google cut uh, advertising. And now um, you're seeing some uh, drips and drabs of, of uh, acceptance for crypto ads back on Facebook and Google, yeah. but with pretty strict policies of approval and very, very rigid kind of uh, criteria that most don't fall into and the so, CPC is crazy high <laughs> you've got a lot of competition for those uh, spots I'm sure oh for sure yeah you know I definitely uh, brutally honest you know we do see very high CPCs in the crypto and blockchain space because there's so little inventory and so many people that want to access it um, and so naturally that just that drives up the demand and the cost by uh, uh, you know by default and we don't have enough uh, believe it or not, we really don't have enough people like yourself that are creating enough good content for this space. And I know that may seem crazy to some people who are consumed in this space, but really, like, we are still lacking in that regard. And uh, and there is a huge opportunity. And so we, we took a little bit of a bite of that with the launch of our ad network, Intergalactic Ads. Um, and love we the launched name. that back in June. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a nerdy, kind of <laughs> cheeky uh 
uh, play. Our our tagline is crypto ad campaigns that take you to the moon, which we all, <laughs> you know, la we've got uh, too many jokes amongst ourselves, really, uh, on that one, which I'm almost embarrassed to admit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have fun with it. I mean, so I guess... One of my, in my experiences with a lot of ICOs I've talked to, they've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and really gotten nowhere as far as traction or engagement with the ads that they're running. So how do you think you improve the process so that people are actually getting conversions to products, which, you know, companies like Facebook and Google have done a truly terrible job at actually getting conversions or driving conversions and really trying just to trick the buyer into the ad or the... I guess the person paying for the ads into thinking they're getting a whole lot more eyes on it and a whole lot less traction than they are. You know, I think to start it is cutting out the wastage, right? Cause part of what's uh, cutting down the, or, or I should say increasing the cost of conversions is the amount of traffic that companies are paying for that's invalid. Right. And so once we get that out of the mix and then we can address the the issue of how much the middlemen are taking and it's not to say they shouldn't have a cut but you know when we're seeing cuts on average 50 cents um up to 70 percent and sometimes they don't even tell you how much the cut is they just say here's how much we're giving you um yeah. these that sort of thing in my mind can't fly anymore like that that all has to end um, so, you know, in terms of increasing conversions, I, I actually would disagree with you in terms of Facebook and Google. Uh, I think that they're really good at actually getting people conversions. Um, they have done a really good job of developing uh, algorithms to optimize, uh, like Facebook, for example, they have a conversion campaign uh, 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 setting. Yeah. So you can you, you tell Facebook what your goal is and uh, and it will match up because because let's say you have a goal of of conversions but your potential audience size is two million right so you you want to reach people who are interested in bitcoin and you selected your countries and it says there's two million people here you can market to facebook has the data to show you well they won't show you this that's the thing yeah um, but they have you the take data. their word for it <laughs> right yeah they they have the data to see who has historically taken more of the actions that you seek and then they will cherry pick initially who they're going to show that ad to so they're not going to show your ad to two million people because you probably don't even have a budget to reach all two million people so they start by showing it to people that they have the data are more likely to take that action and as people take that action more and more people take that action on your ad they start to look at the common denominators among those people and cherry pick from that audience further. So it actually can be quite good. But the problem is it doesn't give you any transparency on how they find that data. And when that data doesn't line up with the data in your dashboard, there's a real problem. And if you're a company like Procter & Gamble and you spend over $7 billion on advertising every year, you know, even if you're losing one, two percent of your advertising budget, you have a very damn good reason to be pissed off about it because it's millions of dollars, yeah. you know. And so I think um, <coughs> there are great tools out there for increasing conversions, especially when we talk about programmatic ad buying. And essentially, without getting into a deep explanation, that's a, a vast network that connects many different websites automatically through a bidding process. And, and that process is where 
you can see the optimize, optimization of conversions better so. Otherwise, if it's like a more traditional play, then really you're just like a classic sort of media buyer. And it's, it depends more on your ability as an advertiser to create messaging that is uh, resonating with that audience more and choosing audiences that resonate and actually convert on that. So, you know, uh, to, to kind of summarize and, and close that loop a little bit, I think what, how blockchain will help the process of increasing conversions is it will provide better and more reliable data associated with what's actually happening. And my uh, hypothesis is, is that that will organically lead to better conversions and better costs simply through the process of cutting wastage and having better quality information recorded in a more reliable way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think what I was trying to, what I was thinking about in the back of my head when I first said that was a lot of times when I'm, you know, I'll either walk into a Target and buy something or I'll buy something on a website and for the next two weeks I'm getting ads after I've already bought exactly what I want and I have no desire to go back in that direction. So even though they seem to be, you know, they have a ton of data, they're aggregating, you know, Google's buying MasterCard data to verify your transactions here and there and I'm sure they have this massive data network on top of the ad network to target. Um, sometimes they get it wrong, obviously, and they're still optimizing with that. But I was going to say also, do you think some of that might be affected with recent legislation like GDPR and recently in California they passed something? Do you think that might throw some of these things into question if they can no longer target users as well with ads? And conversely, might that give you the opportunity to overtake some of these big companies whose main advantage is the data they have on their users? I think you're right on the money, for sure. Uh, the changing uh, legal and regulatory landscape in terms of privacy will definitely affect uh, the ability to track conversions. And, and we were talking specifically about a retail environment. You know, there is a lot of money sitting for whoever can solve that problem that you just described of uh, tracking that conversion so they stop serving you that ad. That, that right there, that one problem is huge business. And, you know, as a sidebar, I think people in the crypto space really need to realize how big the advertising industry is. It's bigger than crypto, right? So yeah. solving small problems are hugely profitable in this industry. Solving big problems are on a scale that, that is hard to grasp. Um, so, you know, I do think that it's possible though, if, and, and this isn't going to be five years, like this is like maybe a 10 plus 20 plus even year sort of thing. When we get to a point where people's identities can be protected in a reliable way, potentially with blockchain, um, we're actually starting a company to do just that. <laughs> but. Yes. So I'm very fascinated by that space. And I think that's, that's going to be really important. Potentially there could be a way to trust uh, and protect the data. So the people who are using and benefiting from the data don't actually know what the data says uh, in terms of being able to read it, but they can benefit from the, uh, by accessing it in a anonymous way. Um, there could be a world where the trackability and the, the advertising uh, targeting and conversion tracking could scale with the privacy laws that are increasing. I don't know if we're there yet though. And I think in the meantime, what's more likely is that we just won't see that level of trackability and 
sorry, Target, but you're going to spend a little bit more <laughs> in certain areas because of that. But ultimately, um, you know, I would say those who are concerned about that, don't worry too much because retargeting ads are one of the greatest things that have ever happened to advertising. And even when they're super annoying, they still work so damn well. Even when the copy is crap, like they still convert well because you're just hitting a, you're hitting an audience that actually cares mm -hmm. um, and that is engaged. And so, you know, it's worth spending a little extra money um, or ensuring that you have more saturation with that audience um, because it, it hands out, out and it is profitable. Yeah. So what, what do you think are the biggest uh, differences between, I guess you guys are in, you're in Canada, correct? Is that where the company is based? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So how would you say it's different, you know, starting the company in Canada or in the U.S.? How's your experience been different, uh, I guess, on the, the product side, but also maybe the fundraising side and the regulatory side? Um, have there been any major differences that you noticed? Um, you know, I advise for several projects and uh, none of them are, are uh, based, their entities are based in Canada. Uh -huh. And I would say that we've had more hurdles than anybody that I've seen for the most part. Um, really? But it adds a degree of legitimacy to what we're doing because we go through those hurdles and, um, you know, we've had to approach everything with a really serious uh, um, uh, 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 focus on compliance. And I think that is pretty abnormal. And one of the crazy parts is, you know, what we get as as advice um, contradicts the norm in the sense that, you know, things like KYC, uh, which today is is people don't question it really as much. Yeah. Um, but six months ago, they did, you know, nine months <laughs> yeah. ago, 10 months ago, they did. They'd be like, what the hell? Why do I have to give you this information? You know, people would freak out about that. And we're like, you don't understand, like, this is wh what you have to do in any country, you know, and if you're selling, it doesn't matter where you're based. If you're selling to uh, countries that have KYC requirements, um, you need to be doing that. Otherwise, you're breaking money laundering laws. And uh, yeah. it's pretty serious stuff. So, you know, it, it's definitely been challenging in some ways, but I would say that uh, people are pretty comfortable, you know, especially other Canadian companies when they know that we're based just outside Toronto um, and, and obviously to American companies as well. But in terms of, uh, you know, the ICO, I, I'd say we had a huge European audience. Um, we were not open to, to the U.S. and uh, we actually weren't open to Canada either. So, you yeah. know, that um, is kind of interesting for a company yeah. like ours. But uh, but, you know, it panned out. We did raise um, and hit our our hard cap uh, eight days ahead of schedule. But, um, you know, it definitely does present challenges. But I think they're uh, it's worth the effort. Yeah. So I guess for someone for people who are thinking about ICOs, you know, what do you think made you guys so successful? Because not everyone can say they hit their hard cap and, you know, eight days early and um, and it seems like you guys did a great job of bringing everything together for that. I think uh, we were able to show that we really understand the problems of our industry and we were able to communicate uh, communicate that really effectively. And it's Effective marketing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, to be honest, like it, um, it was very simple messaging. 
you know, and, and people who wanted to dive deeper in the white paper. And we also have a 50 page patent application that, you know, I, I can't read without uh, a babysitter. <laughs> um, so, you know, th there is that deep information for the people that want it. But most people, this is the thing that, that I think people in the crypto space who are founders of companies, they think they're selling to engineers. Yeah. And that's just not the case. You know, people, normal people need to use the products we're building. And so normal people should be able to understand what it is that we're doing. And, uh, you know, to be, to be honest, I think even the stage that AdBank is at right now, we could be doing a way better job of telling our story of where we're at right now. Um, and that's something that we're working on, but we're just, we're doing some, uh, we're kind of get, dabbling into some new areas that are pretty exciting that will significantly change some of the messaging we had in mind for our, our brand relift uh, or refresh, I should say. But, you know, number one, if you're a company that wants to go in this space, take your messaging and your branding really seriously. Because the other thing is, is that we're in a time period now where, you know, a couple guys in a deck in a white paper is just not enough. You know, you need to show that you have something going on. And part of that is a product. Uh, you know, part of that is showing that people are going to use that product, real companies, you know, and, and we, we've been fortunate to work with some amazing companies that are using our technology, um, one of which is the government of Austria's tourism arm, uh, the Austrian National Tourism Office, and they ran a pilot just that just actually finished uh, with a website owned by Red Bull Media. And I think those are the sort of things that you're going to need to see projects doing a little earlier in the game. Um, rather than just saying, throwing up a website and a white paper and an idea and saying, you know, give us some money. Um, I think that's what you're going to need to be successful. And, and there's a lot of things in there. You know, it's yeah. at its core, it is simple, but it's not easy to do. No, absolutely not. Um, so on the product side, what parts of the technology are really innovative? Because, I mean, I've been reading through the white paper and you do have a lot of really interesting concepts for prod fraud prevention. Um, it's all built on top of Ethereum. You have smart contracts built in. So what are some things about the technology that you would like to highlight? So right now it's all about transparency and speed of payments. And I would say today we're able to fully deliver on that goal. Tomorrow the goal is going to be how do we make advertising more efficient? Like in concrete business terms, how are we going to make it 10% more effective? Meaning my budget, I saved 10% or I got 10% more for my money than 20%, so on and so forth. Um, and I think right now, you know, looking beyond the hype, the real benefit today is data that you can trust. And for companies that spend millions or billions a year on advertising, that's a really, really big deal. And so what we need to do is kind of perfect that infrastructure so that it's ready for that next stage because the demands of advertising technology are pretty intense. You know, if we even think about, um, so, so what does Ethereum do? Like 15 transactions a second, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Visa does, I think 10 or 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Instagram needs 600,000 transactions a second to work. Advertising, if we're talking about queries per second, it's even more than that. It's like, I believe it's even triple or quadruple that number of, of what Instagram needs. It's 600,000 transactions a second. And so that's, that's what we're talking about in the full, like 
end of the spectrum programmatic uh, um, ecosystem, you know, that's very robust with uh, a huge demand like a Google or a Facebook ads or something like that. You know, if we're talking about recording each impression uh, as a smart contract firing on the blockchain, you know, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty taxing, right? And it's yeah. also costly. So there are uh, scalability, um, uh, you know, I didn't even call them hurdles because depending on what the tech stack is, um, you may not need it, you know, and in our case right now, we're actually bundling transactions um, as needed at the rate that makes the most sense to manage gas costs. And, um, you know, that's good for right now. Who knows what will be the best solution in the future as things evolve. But, um, you know, right now it's about transparency and speed. Tomorrow it's really going to be about addressing fraud in a more meaningful way and cutting the wastage that exists in the ecosystem. Uh, but right now it's, it's just laying that infrastructure layer down. So on top of this, I know you're the Canadian representative uh, on the board of directors for the International Decentralized Association of Cryptocurrency and Blockchain. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about what that does and what you've learned, maybe interesting people you've met or trends you've noticed or things you've talked about? Yeah, so I, I think uh, actually one of the founders of the heads um, is uh, Vladimir Putin's head of internet, interestingly oh, enough. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> That's neat. And, you know, the purpose of this organization is to bridge the gap between government bodies and crypto and blockchain companies to help facilitate discussion that will um, progress regulation and other areas that affect cryptocurrency and blockchain from a... a um, governmental or geopolitical landscape so that we're stepping into the future with the right foot forward. And it's still also early days with that, but very exciting in the sense that there are so many people engaged in governments around the world that are profoundly excited about blockchain. Um, and I've been to the UN uh, three times this year. Uh, invited to private events. Um, one of our co-founders, Kelsey Cole, she just received an award at the UN. And uh, it was on International Peace Day um, during the first day that they ever talked about cryptocurrencies um, and using them for the purpose of forwarding the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And so... Um, shit, where was I going with this? I, I feel like I've totally like derailed myself. Take it in whatever direction you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the well, original question? Oh, so just I just as far as what the, yeah, what the, what the committee does and what your role has been, what you've learned. Um, through no, no, I got it. Yeah. I was, I got off on the tangent from just the excitement of the reception <laughs> of governments and uh -huh. people that are within the governments around the world. Cause I've had the chance to interact with a lot of those people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and, and, you know, at the UN, we saw uh, general Wesley Clark speak, who is an absolute legend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like Google him, his Wikipedia is like a mile long. <laughs> Congressman Dennis Kucinich was there at one of the events. You know, these are very, very big names in uh in the u.s in terms of politics but you know you also see uh leaders of countries uh you know around the world that are actively engaged in the discussion around blockchain 
and really looking out for the future of it because they believe in it. And with, uh, for example, in Canada, the prime minister's stepbrother, so Justin Trudeau's stepbrother, his name's Kyle Kemper, um, he's actually very into blockchain. Like, you, he advises a ton of different companies. He's like head first into the blockchain space. And so for me, the more, I, I was honestly a little apprehensive at first as I was interacting um, with government types. And the first time I went to the UN, uh, you know, I met with somebody who's, who's pretty in deep there. And, you know, he looked me right in the face. He's like, what's your intentions? Uh, <laughs> basically with, you know, getting involved with this. Because uh, a lot of people will have a, an agenda in, that, in, a, in a situation like that with very powerful people. And I was like, honestly, I just want to be a part of shaping the discussion around what happens with blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Because quite frankly, I'm afraid that there will be rules and regulations made coming from a lack of knowledge and understanding on what this technology is capable of and what it's meant to do and what it can do to change the world. And, and I just want to make sure that they don't screw it up, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to put it plain and simply. And so, you know, th they were very responsive to that. And, and uh, I was very impressed to see how positive the discussion was around blockchain and crypto at, uh, at the UN and other places with government. Yeah, and I mean, that's the most exciting thing about the space is I think so many of the people are just in it because they really want to see it well implemented and they want to see it improve so many areas of life that they realize it could. So, you know, what are, I guess, just to sort of sum things up, a two-part question, what do you think are the best, are the countries that are doing it best as far as uh, opening their arms to the technology and making it easy for people to test this stuff and play around with it. Uh, and also, what other industries do you think are ripe for the picking for blockchain? Maybe industries you've helped advise startups in or uh, ICOs, etc. Um, you know, what's interesting, uh, your first question, like countries that are really adopting crypto well, I would say most that I've encountered are exciting me with their perspective in different areas. Um, now that said, you know, one individual within a government is not as powerful as, you know, several individuals within the government. So mm -hmm. we still need them to kind of be advocates and convert other people in there. Um, but, you know, uh, there's definitely, I feel, I feel like the U.S. and Canada um, are potentially at risk of, forcing out innovation to other yeah. countries. And I think that's like the one thing that I, I would say is the most noticeable rather than, you know, which countries that are a little more friendly than others. You know, yeah. the standard ones like Malta, yeah. um, Singapore less so these days, but I'm not sure if that has changed a little bit. And, and it, it, you know, it changes very yeah. often. You know, what yeah. one day our lawyers say one thing and then <laughs> a case unfolds somewhere and that kind of shifts the uh, the precedent around a particular yeah. issue, which which changes the dynamics, you know. Um, but uh, in terms of industries that I think are really going to be benefiting greatly in a profound way, supply chain, bar none, is probably the best example uh, outside of finance. You know, Bitcoin I feel is sufficiently proven the benefits of blockchain for finance, yeah. but for supply chain. You know, it's huge. And this is why Walmart is coming in and saying all of our suppliers have to get their lettuce on the blockchain by 2019. <laughs> and the reason is, is because lettuce is a pain in the ass when something goes wrong with it, because it's something spoils 
they have to throw out the entire supply. It's such a huge waste because they yeah. can't track the path of a, of a bundle of lettuce to where the source problem is. And it's just too risky to move forward with it. Blockchain is something that can actually fix that problem. And when we think about that, like that's, that's a big deal. You know, like these yeah. sorts of things, when we start to, to crack into that and build on it and build on it, like this is world changing stuff. So supply chain, no question about that. And, and really advertising, I feel like I say that supply chain is number two and advertising is number three, but advertising really is a supply chain play. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, uh, I'm very excited about how it can affect government in terms of tracking votes. Yeah. Um, and, and clamping down on problems like voter fraud. I think those are real issues that blockchain is absolutely the solution for. Um, you know, charitable giving and tracking donations. You know, there's a lot of shady shit going on in that yeah. industry. Oh, Let absolutely. me tell you. So, <laughs> I believe it. you know, I think that's a huge use case as well. Um, and, uh, and protection of rights as well. There's some, some players that are trying to get into that um, in terms of like, um, intellectual property protection. You know, I think music has a lot of great applications on the blockchain because it's in that intellectual property play. Um, really, like, if there's a middleman anywhere that's getting more than they should, <laughs> yeah. blockchain is about to take you out, period. And that's, you know, that's crazy because the more efficient things are going to be, the happier everyone's going to be on both sides eventually. So... I think that's it's it's exciting. So what with AdBank, what are the next steps you guys are really looking forward to? What should people be looking out for? If people want to get involved, how can they? You know, I guess your ICO is already sort of finished. So are you guys probably not looking to raise more? Um, what what are your next steps? Yeah. So you know, we're just in full product mode and getting companies using this product and uh, and getting feedback from companies as we're developing it so that we can correct course, um, you know, ahead of time. And so really we're focused on pilots and further development. You know, like the pilot we did with the government of Austria um, was just the first uh, major one of its kind. And they've already provided amazing feedback of what was important to them. We've got another campaign that's running on adweek.com. And if you don't know, adweek is like the gold standard for anybody in marketing, um, for, a, for marketing uh, and advertising content for almost 40 years now. Um, and so that's you know, a huge honor and a huge point of validation, I feel, for us as a company, as an early stage uh, emerging technology company, um, that this is technology that people are waiting for because they they don't, some people, most people I would say don't know blockchain is the solution they're waiting for. And so what we're doing right now is we're educating people on that. And uh, next week, for example, we'll be keynoting at the Adweek Elevate concert in New York City on October 17th. And we're talking like maybe 150, no more than 200 of the top marketing executives in New York City uh, will be there to learn about blockchain. And so my objective is to be their trusted ally in this world because the transition is not going to be immediate despite you know what justin sun or whoever else is trying to tell people in the blockchain space um you know it's going to happen slowly but surely you know it's just like the internet and social media you know people are still saying that facebook isn't a good place to market you know um it's it's less true now uh than it was 10 years ago, 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. and I think that pro that progression happened over time and it kind of happens at a pace where you barely even notice it. And I think the same thing is going to happen with blockchain. And frankly, like the tools are too complex right now. We need people to be able to be using blockchain without knowing they're using blockchain. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think background. that's still, yeah, exactly. I think that's, when that happens, then we're really going to see things start to light up. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, if you have any closing remarks, I know your website is adbank.network for people to check that out. Uh, anywhere else you'd direct them to? Yeah, um, I would say start there. Join us in Telegram if that's your thing. Um, and, you know, check out our video. We actually worked with a Saturday Night Live writer to make our video and uh, made it quite fun and uh, educational and, and simple to understand. Gives you a sense of what ad banks about in two minutes and 52 seconds. Um, and yeah, I think just start there. And if you have any questions, we're all pretty accessible people and happy to chat anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thanks for listening guys. We'll see you next time.